Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Jungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Gentlemen, welcome back to the Gird Up Podcast. I'm excited to share this episode with you. Um, first things first, though, we got to make sure that you get online and share this thing. If you're just coming on, if you're a bread for beggars person and you're just coming on to check us out, thank you for joining us. This is a good episode to join us on. Um, uh, if you are somebody listening from around the world, because we've got a few people doing that, actually quite a few people doing that, um, welcome. <laughs> Glad to have you, um, particularly those of you who are in mission fields around the world. I know we got some people listening from mission fields out there too. So, um, anyway, uh, super glad to have you. Make sure you're getting on social media, sharing this thing with people you love, men you love, men you know, men you want to gird up and be the men that God created them to be. This is a great opportunity um, for those of you looking to reach out to other men with the gospel. Say, hey, um, I know that you've noticed, you know, who I am as a man, and we've t- had those conversations. and And here's a good way. Here's a good place to start. You know, start here. Um, and uh, if you want to know more about the Jesus side of things, just let me know. But it, it, t- start talking about masculinity and manhood, um, and say, here's where I define masculinity. Here's where I derive my ma- identity from. Uh, and start with from there, and you're going to have some great conversations. The other thing you should do is, if you want to support this podcast, go buy some gear. Um, go get a gird up mug for yourself. Go buy a gird up t-shirt, whatever it might be. I've been looking into doing some things like starting a Patreon account or something like that. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see how this thing grows. For now, though, we want to talk about masculinity and manhood. And today, the topic is toxic masculinity. And the reason I want to talk about toxic masculinity, I was going to avoid talking about it <laughs> um, because it is, I, I, I'm about to tell you why I was going to avoid talking about it actually. But the reason I finally am stepping up and talking about it, as you've probably guessed, um, because everybody's doing it and everybody's talking about it right now, is because of the Gillette commercial. Now, if you've watched the Gillette commercial, um, it is a commercial where it shows several different scenes um, so starting at the beginning, it's men like looking in the mirror and reflecting. And that's actually, if you read the, the interview with the Gillette um, CEO, that he, so the CEO of Gillette, who's in charge of all the advertising, did an interview and he talked about the idea that you know men should look at themselves in the mirror each morning while they shave, reflect on who they are, and grow as individuals. Uh, anyway, so this, this commercial starts with <clears throat> men looking in the mirror as they shave and they start reflecting on you know, different things. And so there's a voiceover that talks about toxic masculinity and the decline of men and all that kind of stuff. And then there's various scenes. There's a couple of scenes where men are hooting and catcalling at women. Uh, there are scenes where men are uh, either gesturing about groping women or, you know, in the act of groping or, you know, that kind of sexual assault, uh, sexual harassment type situation is a uh, image of a sitcom where there's a man in a sitcom and, you know, the silly sounds like that kind of stuff, um, which is common. We see it all the time. Uh, it's particularly in older television. It was 
very common to do stuff like that. Uh, and then there's uh, a scene that uh, I think is the most controversial one, and one that most people are talking about, is this scene where there's two boys wrestling. In the, well, okay, there's also a bunch of scenes about bullying and boys bullying each other. Uh, and then men bullying each other. And there's a scene where there's a mom like holding her son as these boys rampage through the through the living room. Um, and it's kind of an artistic way of showing that the kids are bullying. Um, anyway, the scene that has drawn the most attention, I think, is this scene where there is there are two boys wrestling in the yard, and there's no clear reason why they're wrestling. There's no there's nothing behind you know there's no storyline beyond the fact that there are two boys wrestling. And there's a dad at the grill, and he looks at him and says, boys will be boys. And then it echoes across, and it shows a whole bunch of men standing at the grill saying, boys will be boys, boys will be boys, like robots. Okay. Um, and there are a lot of men who are absolutely enraged by this. There are a ton of men who are angry and lashing out and saying some weird, terrible things about this commercial. And it was actually brought up to me, and somebody showed it to me and said, "What do you think? You know, what do you? I actually had never seen the commercial. I don't watch a lot of TV, so I, I hadn't seen the commercial until somebody pointed it out to me and said, "You got to watch this. Tell me what you think." And it was clear. Um, now I know several of you did that, so don't don't assume I'm talking about you if you're listening and you hear me say this. But it was clear from the way it was first presented to me, the first person that said you got to look at this, it was clear that they thought I was going to be upset. And like, if you're on social media and you follow any of these like leaders in this move, this kind of revival of men, there's a whole bunch of men like leaders of men's groups and men's uh, companies and like that kind of thing that tailor towards men who are. Like their immediate reaction after watching it one time was just to be like wildly angry, it was outright rage. I don't know what they're upset about. I honestly don't know what they're upset about. And if you disagree with me, answer this question for me. What in that commercial would you point to and say that's actually acceptable behavior for men? The only place where I find a flaw in this commercial or not even a flaw, just like I would have portrayed it a little bit differently and given a little bit more storyline, is this scene where there are two boys wrestling in the yard. Now, if there's one kid who's clearly like beating up on another kid, or if there's one kid who's like in tears and clearly not enjoying it and not like a willing participant in this wrestling match, um, or if you know somebody's told them four or five times, you got to chill out because you know you're, <laughs> what you're getting out of control. That kind of thing. Like if there's some sort of storyline behind it, you know, then even that fits into this category of you know the outline of <clears throat> actions we would not encourage, actions that we would, if we were good men, reach out and stop, like. They in the the commercial they portray men stepping up and stopping other men who are ogling and objectifying women. There's nothing wrong with that. In, in another scene, there are men who are um, like won't leave a woman alone and trying to solicit from her. Essentially, is what they're like they're trying to portray. I think. And somebody steps up and says, whoa, whoa, not cool. Like, that's not how we act. That's not what we do. I certainly hope that that's the way you look at the world. I certainly hope that's the way you look at women. I certainly hope that if you see another man doing something like that, you go stop it. There's, like, literally just, like, 30 seconds of the commercial. 
that made me a little like, eh, I think we could have done that better. But otherwise, I have absolutely no issue with this commercial. I have actually, I have absolutely no issue in this commercial with this commercial, and I think it actually is an encouragement. It's exactly what the narrative should be, and it frames a narrative that we should be having. And as as I talked about in the uh, the very last episode that went up, the Saturday morning coffee that went up on. Oh, nope, <laughs> never mind. It's the one that's coming up this Saturday. As I'm going to say in the episode that comes up this Saturday, I'm going to talk about how it requires like our society, because we are a democratic republic, because there is a democratic... Um, because our, because our society and our country and our, our government um, entertains a democratic... Ah, I can't think of the word. Ah, there we go. Component. If <laughs> component. Because there is a democratic component in our government, there has to be disagreement. Because if everyone agrees, then there's no one standing on the opposite side keeping us in check. If everybody's on the right, then we're going to go too far in that direction. If there's no, everyone is on the left, we're going to go too far in that direction. We consistently see over time how I think about the, the pattern of presidents. Often it's Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat. Why do you think we keep going back and forth? Because they balance each other out. Now, I we can get into an argument about whether or not the two-party system is best for the United States and whether that's the way it was meant to be, but that's a different conversation. The truth is, if we do not disagree, we will not find a middle ground. We have to disagree. It's vital. And so I have no issue with the way they portray these two boys wrestling on the ground. It's something I disagree with. I would change it. I don't think that's toxic masculinity. In fact, I would I encourage boys to roughhouse a little bit and wrestle in a controlled environment. You go to recess with me. You watch the boys at recess in my classroom. They have been trained to be able to play together, even sometimes play pretty aggressively and play kind of roughly, and they can talk to each other and say to each other, hey, that's too much for me, you know, please stop touching me, you know, that kind of thing, and they have steps to take to solve the problem before they come to me. First, you stop the game. Then you talk to the person who is either annoying you or has gone too far. You talk to that person. If you can't, Then, it's a biblical concept, by the way, guys. If you can't, then you appeal to your friends who are also playing with you. Say, guys, wasn't that too much? And if that doesn't work, then you come find an adult and you explain the situation and we have a conversation. There is nothing wrong with boys expressing themselves aggressively. There's nothing wrong with two boys wrestling against each other. How are they ever going to have any confidence if they never have any proven ground? That's a digression, though. Guys, we cannot allow ourselves to be controlled by a narrative and to fly off the handle every time anything even slightly offends us. And I think the reason so many men are angry about this commercial is that it is a part of a much wider, much broader conversation about toxic masculinity, a much broader dialogue about toxic masculinity. And in this dialogue about toxic masculinity, we are given, if any, we are given a very small voice, if any at all. This this dialogue about toxic masculinity is not being um, carried out by Christian men, by middle-class white men, um, by real men, by men who act the way we ought to act. Most of like this conversation is not including us, and I think that's part of the reason why 
we react so strongly, why the the men, the community of men, frankly, has reacted so strongly to this Gillette commercial because there is nothing in this Gillette commercial that is wildly offensive or that should be inciting rage in anyone. Um, and so I want to go into it and talk about toxic masculinity. Uh, and so in order to have this conversation, I went and I did a little bit of research. So I read several articles online. I literally typed into Google toxic masculinity and read the first articles that popped up. And every single one of the first 10 articles, I read 10 articles, 10, the first 10 articles that popped up were all major magazines or major publications. Um, the Forum, uh, New York Times. Uh, the New Yorker, um, several others, sorry, the Sun Times. There's a bunch of different, you know, uh, Time Magazine. Anyway, so they're doing articles on toxic masculinity. And I was actually, I so to be honest, going into this, I expected to be upset and angry. I expected to be offended. And I, <clears throat> I was kind of looking forward to it. I was going to rant and rave on this podcast. But the reality is, gentlemen, we don't have that much to be upset about. Um. I want to go into uh, this debate on toxic masculinity. I want to just lay out what is going on um, and where we ought to stand. What should we? I'm not going to tell you what to think, but this is where this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm hearing, um, and this is my, what I think on the topic. And I think I take a pretty good stance. Uh, I think it's the stance that most men ought to take. So, um, in the articles that I was reading, there were uh, various different opinions and ideas and that's exactly the problem with this dialogue right now on toxic masculinity is there is no one definition one clear concise um, overarching definition of toxic masculinity um, that is actually being debated so two people might be having a conversation about toxic masculinity and one of them is simply talking about men who can't control their feelings and another one is talking about you know sexual assault and all this kind of craziness uh, and here I'm going to prove it to you. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. So um, there is a group of people. I don't know how big it is. I don't know how small it is. I don't have those numbers in front of me. I didn't do like empirical research here. So there's a group of people, um, particularly in the feminist world, um, who do not believe that... Uh, Men and women are actually all that different. So what they what they use terms like socialized, they use terms like you know social norms and all that kind of stuff, and they believe that behaviors that are that differ between boys and girls are all social constructs. Okay, so the reason boys like to wrestle and play outside, the reason boys like to play with uh, fake guns and you know, make motions about shooting each other. The reason boys like watching professional wrestling. The reason boys like to, you know, jump off of tall building or tall, not tall buildings. <laughs> Maybe they would if we'd let them. But uh, the reason they want to jump off of the highest slide at the playground and the reason they're always, you know, strutting around and, and challenging their teachers, like that kind of thing. The reason they always want to play games is that's all a social construct and, and the world from the time they're born, the world is telling them how they should act and what they should do. And they're just fulfilling their roles in this society we've created where that's how men act. Obviously this is not true. Um, but that's the way a lot of feminists look at it. And they even like have a scale. A lot of times they will have a scale. This is most common in the gender gender the lgbtq community 
Um, but they have what they will even talk about a spectrum of of gender. Uh, you've seen some of you I know have seen that the gender unicorn. If you haven't seen the gender unicorn, look up the gender unicorn. It's actually a. It's supposed to be used in schools. Uh, it's supposed to have a spectrum of where you land on a spectrum. So center would be neutral gender. And I don't, I don't even know what that looks like. I don't want to know what that looks like. But still, in the center, um, you are neither masculine or feminine. There's a, there's a center point. And so people, whether you're men or women, uh, they say people fall on the spectrum somewhere. So you have some women that fall to the male side of center. And you have some women that fall to the female side of center. You have some women that go way over to the female side. You have some men that go way over to the female side and so forth. So you'll have you know, lesbians or people or whatever who identify as just to the male side of center, you know. Uh, and this debate actually, so that brings some clarity to the debate where, cause I actually listened to a, I listened to a podcast where it's two, <clears throat> I don't know if they're like one of them identified as butch. The other one identified as something else. I feel like an idiot just using the terms identifies, but I'm probably going to offend somebody. But anyway, so, um, so that's how they were saying they identify. And then they were talking about how they were toxic. So they were saying, my toxic masculinity is blah, blah, blah. And they, I found myself actually yelling at the radio over and over again, you are not men. You cannot be toxically masculine if you're not. A-. like." So anyway, that is one side. And that is what I find wildly offensive. And that's what I find wildly wrong. There's another group of people very closely associated with this group of people. Um, also, most commonly feminists who say that masculinity is a social construct and therefore is wrong and should be eradicated. That femininity is the way to go. That femininity is natural and masculinity is unnatural. And I would actually agree with them to say that masculinity is learned and femininity is natural. And that's for a different podcast, for a different time. But you look at the fundamentals of masculinity and femininity, like you can, what do what do little girls do? They act like moms. They take care of Barbie dolls. They take care, they dress them up. Like they don't need to. Nobody needs to teach them how to be women. Nobody needs to teach your three year old daughter to be compassionate and caring and to shower you with kisses and love. Somebody's gonna have to teach that boy how to treat a girl, though. Somebody's gotta teach that five year old boy how to take care of a baby. Somebody's gotta teach that that sixteen year old boy how to act on a date. Masculinity is earned, masculinity is taught, masculinity is won, while femininity is something that's natural and needs to be valiantly protected. Like I said, that's a different conversation though. But so those people that believe that masculinity is a construct, a lot of them then also believe that because masculinity is a construct and because it is a social construct, it is inherently wrong and evil and bad. Now, we can all disagree with that. Masculinity in and of itself is not wrong. It is not bad. In fact, it is a creation of God and is something very good and vital and is something that we need a little bit more of. We need a lot more of in this world. Now, gentlemen, that's... Does not like while that plays a part in the toxic masculinity narrative, and while if you watch popular media, I know if you watch CNN and NBC and MSNBC and all these C SPAN and all that, you you watch their conversations, 
the people they bring on are controversial and because they're so they're so controversial because they are way out on the left and they believe this about masculinity these people are wrong we should disagree with them we should fight tooth and nail peaceably we should fight tooth and nail to eradicate the world of this idea that masculinity is inherently wrong it is not inherently wrong. It is not something bad. And when we tell that to boys, when we tell it to children, we simply confuse them and terrify them and drive them so deep into a hole that most likely they will not crawl out of it. But that is not the entirety of the narrative, and that is not what most people in our country and in our world and in the Western world, that is not what most people believe about masculinity. Most people, when they talk about masculinity, what the world talks about, what the Gillette commercial is talking about when it talks about masculinity is something else entirely. The term toxic masculinity was actually coined about 15, 20 years ago, maybe even a little bit longer ago, by Christian authors who were writing books about men for men and encouraging men not to be toxic. That's where the term toxic masculinity originated and where it actually comes from. Long before Harvey Weinstein surfaced and Bill Cosby did something, well, a whole bunch of stupid things and was vile, and I'm not defending him. Anyway, long before any of this started, long before this conversation started in the popular media, Long before there was any idea of rape culture, long before anyone assumed that all masculinity is bad and that you know all boys and men are trained to inherently disrespect women, before that conversation started, we've always had an issue with men being toxic. Sin is the issue. Sin is where we go wrong. And sin is what causes these terrible things to happen. Okay? I do not think that the best term for what we're talking about here is toxic masculinity. I think that that paints a very wide brush and leaves room for the radical left to say masculinity is toxic. But that's not the dialogue that's going on. While the dialogue that's going on oftentimes also paints with a wide brush and assumes things about people and men and while there are many members of the opposite side of this argument who, frankly, disrespect men and don't have a lot of compassion and concern for the welfare of men or are wildly misguided in their compassion for men. What they're saying is true and right and accurate. When men do not live as noble men, live by a noble code and a noble creed, when they do not live as good men or godly men or whatever term you want to use as real men, when they don't live like that, their masculinity becomes a perversion. Okay, As John Eldridge talks about, every man looks for a battle to fight and a woman to rescue, right? A beauty to rescue. Well, if you don't give a man a battle to fight, what's he going to do? He's going to seek one out and fight it. Or he's going to kill that drive and desire in him. He's going to be emasculated and feminized. One of those two things is going to happen if he doesn't have a battle to fight. Now, you don't necessarily need to go join the military and go fight ISIS. That's not the battle you necessarily need to fight. Maybe you're like me. You're going to be a teacher. You're going to fight in the inner city. You're going to fight for the souls of children. Maybe you're going to be a pastor. You're going to fight for the souls of the people in your congregation. Maybe you're an electrician. <laughs> And you're going to fight a battle every day to be a godly example of Christian manhood in the workplace and to be a darn good father for your children and be the best JV basketball coach you possibly can be. We all need a battle to fight. And when we take away that battle, 
Like I said, either they're going to go find a battle, we're going to fight each other, we're going to get into petty arguments and petty fights because we have no direction in our lives, we have no purpose in our lives, or because of that lack of purpose, we're going to shut down, we're going to feminize ourselves, essentially your balls are going to be taken away, and you're no longer going to act like, look like, feel like, smell like a man. Your masculinity is going to disappear because you are not actually engaged in being a man. The second thing John Eldridge says every man is looking for is a beauty to rescue. Now, whether it's because of being hurt in the past and being wounded, whether you can blame it on pornography and masturbation, you can blame it on popular culture, you can blame it on peer pressure, whatever it might be, there are a lot of men whose sexual ambition and their drive um, has gotten out of control and they do treat women like crap. They treat women like objects. That's where, where the word objectifying comes from. They treat women like objects. They mistreat women and abuse them. Some of them uh, act like they're not even human beings. And that is wrong. And if you see it, fight against it. If you see it, redirect it. If you see it, put an end to it. That is your duty as a man. And when you see a commercial on TV that encourages men to step up and stop sexual assault and sexual harassment when they see it, don't get upset and angry. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people yelling and screaming about toxic masculinity and this all gets lumped together and people assume that when we talk about toxic masculinity, we're talking about masculinity in general. This is not behavior that we can defend. I was disgusted, as well should everyone else, about the conversation that was had around Donald Trump when he was elected. I'm not going to tell you how I voted. Actually, I will tell you how I voted. I voted for Donald Trump. That is not here nor there. I, Donald Trump was, uh, there was a video recording of him talking about how he could just walk up and grab women by the privates and have his way with them. And there were several other conversations where he was talking wildly and appropriately about women. Whether you like the man's politics or not, you cannot defend this. You cannot sit there and say, this happened 20 years ago. You cannot say, you know, boys will be boys, like like a lot of people said, and especially if you're a leader in Christian church or in a Christian family or in a Christian company or whatever it is, if you are a leader in Christianity, you cannot step up and say that that behavior is acceptable or it's all right. Don't do it. You know it's wrong. Do not defend it. And don't let anybody else defend it either. All right. Now, the other major point of conversation in this uh, conversation about toxic masculinity is the idea that men are incapable or are frowned upon for expressing their emotions. Okay. And this is a real conversation that we actually need to have. Here's the deal. There is a John Wayne mentality out there. I love John Wayne. I love John Wayne movies. I have read biographies of John Wayne. My sister gave me a, I have like a picture of John Wayne in The Longest Day. Um, I have a, like it's a postcard. It's The Longest Day. It's framed and it sits on my dresser. I love John Wayne movies. He's, some of my favorite movies are John Wayne movies. However, there is a John Wayne masculinity or whatever you want to call it that promotes the idea that men do not display their emotions. And this is absolutely wrong. There are examples in Scripture. There are examples throughout time where the strongest men, the greatest of men, have been able and have been ready and willing to express their emotions. 
And I think um, most of us who have been around great men, who have talked to great men and lived with great men, have seen their emotions. Now, a lot, sometimes this is taken too far and we're expected to uh, let our emotions hang out and hang loose like a lot of women do. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it does not serve our purpose as men. If our, so here's the deal, fellas. I'm going to jump right into the opposite side of the argument so you can't shut me off. And here, here's reality. If we let ourselves be overcome by emotion constantly, if we're con- like every time something happens, like every time something sad happens, if we cry, or every time we're wronged, or every time we're hurt, if we break down and cry, we're never going to get anything done. We're going to be worthless. And there are a lot of men that see displays like that as feminine and weak, and they are right. It is feminine and weak to be constantly consumed by your emotions and constantly overwhelmed by your emotions. It is an, it's not what men are and it's not what men do and it's not how men act. Men are not created to do that. Men do not act like that. And that's not what, me, I should say most men don't act like that. And most men keep their emotions under wrap. But we also need to understand that there is absolutely nothing wrong with expressing emotion. Think about Jesus for a few seconds. The ultimate man, the ultimate example of Christian masculinity and manhood. What did he do when his friend Lazarus died? He stood at his graveside and wept. What did he do when he found the temple courts, his father's house filled with money changers? He was violently angry and drove them out of the temple. You think he stood there and went, guys, I'd like you to leave now. No, the money changers were terrified. They fled. He drove the animals out of the temple courts. There are many examples in scripture of Jesus showing great emotion, of showing frustration, of showing anger, of showing joy, of showing love. Think about David. On a day that the temple was dedicated, what did David do? He was so overcome by joy and emotion that he stripped down to his underwear and danced in the street. The king of the Jews, the king of the Israelites, danced in the street. His wife was so embarrassed. She said, I'm so embarrassed. I'm going to die. And it wasn't a joke. Like she actually was talking about suicide. I'm so embarrassed by my husband's behavior. I would rather die than face the consequences of it. Think about Joseph overwhelmed when he sees his brothers crying, weeping, hiding his face from his servants, weeping and weeping again when he finally tells his brothers who he is overcome by emotion and he also is held up as the manliest of men the greatest of men guys there's nothing wrong with emotions and expressing your emotions and i will admit i have a hard time expressing myself to a woman it's something i need to work on it's probably one of the main reasons why i'm still single but guys don't be embarrassed by it and when someone points out to you that men often have a difficult time expressing their emotions Don't be offended. Say, yes, they do. How can we fix that problem? One of the narratives that I heard in three different articles and in two different podcasts was this idea that men bottle up their emotions and bottle up their emotions and bottle up their emotions until finally they explode and they do something violent. And my favorite quote was, they bottle up their emotions until finally they just snap and they either punch a wall or they kill someone. And I thought, well, that's a little dramatic. (laughs) There's a very small portion of men is a very small percentage of men who have ever punched a wall and have ever killed someone. However, she has a point. 
There are a lot of men who are so uncomfortable expressing their emotions that when they finally do express them, it just comes out as anger and frustration. You need to express yourself before it gets to the point of anger and frustration. If you find yourself constantly angry and frustrated, you need to seek help and you need to change something, fellas. That's enough said on that front. The reality, guys, is that the conversation about toxic masculinity, they're not talking about you and me. They're not talking about men of God who are actively chasing a relationship with their Heavenly Father. All of us are a little bit toxic. Okay? And it's frustrating that there is no other end of this conversation. Nobody's talking about toxic femininity, and anyone who does gets thrown under the bus. Uh, it's also frustrating that feminists believe there are a lot, I shouldn't throw everybody under the bus, but there are a lot of feminists that believe that any kind of masculinity and any kind of strength stands in direct uh, stands as a that masculinity stands as a direct threat to femininity and feminism, where that's just not the case. And I understand the frustration. I'm frustrated by it too. It's a narrative that doesn't help anyone. It doesn't make anything better. I'm also wildly frustrated by the fact that I get constantly lumped in with men who do not act like me. Right? Um, <laughs> I read ten articles and I listened to uh, four or five podcasts. And in almost every single one, at some point, somebody pointed the finger at straight white men and said, they're the reason we have this problem. This is how straight white men act, and that's why we have this problem. Now, that is offensive. And that is downright wrong. However, if you light up like a light bulb and get angry and frustrated and you start yelling and screaming, is anybody ever going to listen to you when you contradict them? No. Tell you what you ought to do. Act like Jesus did. Love the weak. Love the suffering. Give them absolutely no reason to dislike you. Give them absolutely no reason to stand against you. Be above reproach. Be above reproach. Model excellent, godly, noble masculinity in everything that you do. And this is not going to bite you in the butt, is it? Because you will stand against everything they believe. You will rise above, transcend it. That's the word I'm looking for, guys. Instead of being a part of the argument, instead of wallowing in the crap, instead of throwing crap at each other, instead of joining in this crap fight, instead of wallowing in the mud, transcend the argument, fellas. And understand that our narrative, you and me, our narrative is not defined by, pub by the public. Our definition of man like we don't define manhood and masculinity the way that the public does because we have a canon in Scripture that stands in stark contrast to the ways of the world. Like, like, I, like I've said before, and I will say again, you cannot expect people living in darkness to live and act and have the same morality as people who are living in the light. I do not derive my definition of masculinity from popular culture. I am not the man I am because somebody from out in the world told me what to be. I have the intelligence to think for myself, I was raised by strong Christian men, and every single morning, the creator of the universe speaks into my heart as I read in his word, as I read the scriptures, as I read the Proverbs, as I read the Psalms, and he tells me what a real man is, what he tells me what a man of God is. And that is how I define masculinity, and that is where I find my definition, my canon, my rule, my example of masculinity. And that is where you need to find yours as well. If you don't live up to that standard, which none of us do because none of us are perfect, understand that there is going to be some quote-unquote toxic masculinity in you, 
and do everything you can to drive it out of your heart. Eradicate it. Kill the, the old man in daily sorrow and contrition. Don't get upset and frustrated. And, well, you can be frustrated. You can be upset. But don't let them control you. As I say to my seven-year-olds, other people cannot control you. You need to control you. Don't let the narrative control you. Don't let the narrative turn you into what they say you are. Be the man you know you ought to be. Be a noble man. Live it out. And finally, do not let popular media and popular culture, do not let the Gillette commercial be the only conversation about masculinity and manhood that you're having. Don't let the only conversation about masculinity and manhood that your children experience be on television. Don't let that be their narrative and that definition. You shape the narrative your children see on masculinity. You define masculinity for them. You will show them what a man is. You will show them how a man acts. And you will point them to scripture to find the perfect example of Jesus. That is your job as a father. That is your job as a brother, as a husband, as a grandfather, as a friend, as a teacher, as a pastor. That is your responsibility to act out noble manhood and to map that course for them and for the future generations. Don't let society, don't let societal norms, don't let society's pettiness and pitfalls or even the good things about society, don't let them define masculinity for your children, whether it's your daughters or your sons. Paint a picture of masculinity with your own heart, with your own life, with the men you surround yourselves with, with the men that you choose to bring into your home and into your life. Choose men who are going to act like men of God, who are going to live out their masculinity and Christianity in noble and happy and heartfelt and godly ways. I'm starting to ramble, so I'm going to cut it short here, guys. My encouragement is this. Don't be frustrated that men are falling under attack. There is a war on masculinity, and nobody in their right mind is going to deny that. However, don't be afraid Because your definition of masculinity and manhood, the standard by which you live, cannot be taken away from you. It is eternal, and it was given to you by the Heavenly Father, the one that created the universe. Go be the man you ought to be, the man you should be, the man you always uh, see in Scripture when you read it. Live that out daily in your life, that noble, godly manhood, and you'll be just fine. Gird up, gentlemen. God bless you. Have a great week. Be the man God created you to be. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes like this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, and Pippa. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Time to Gird Up. You can find us on Facebook at The Gird Up Podcast. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at Coach Ungemach, that's U N G E M A C H, at gmail.com. Please leave a five star rating and review on this podcast on iTunes. The more four and five star ratings we receive, the more people we will reach on iTunes because iTunes will boost us more. Thank you to Seth Palmeyer for our podcast art. And thank you to you, the listener, because without you, this podcast would not be possible. So with that, 
I encourage you to go out, man up, gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Have a good one.